Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman, and with me is County Board President Tony Preckwinkle, mayoral candidate. Thanks for joining us. Well, I don't see any reason why a member of the city council should be so intimately involved in the operations of one of the departments, especially since it seems to be on behalf of someone who was a friend of his and a vendor of the city. Will you get rid of him as chairman of judicial slate making? You're also the chairman of the Democratic Party. Yes. You will. Yes. So you want him out as finance chairman and as head of judicial slate making? Yes. Why? Are you concerned that he's horse trading judgeships for something? I think it's the appearance of impropriety that's inappropriate. Okay, so then why not give the money back? I'm grateful for the contributions that I've received. It's unclear whether or not he will be charged and found guilty. If he is, I'll return the money. Okay, but not before then? Isn't no. it tainted money anyway? No, there have been no charges against him, formal charges. There are allegations of bad behavior on the, on the part of the Department of Aviation. And those allegations, I'm sure, will play out in the courts. Who's going to be your finance chairman if you get elected mayor? My finance chairman is Chuck Bernardini. He's a former colleague in the city. No, no, I'm talking about in the city council. Oh, <laughs> I thought you meant <laughs> you on my forgot. political side. You forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said on the political side. No, I, I, that's unclear to me, to be determined. Okay. And are you going to cut the number of committees? Those are things that I haven't addressed as yet. I'm focused on trying to run for the office before I look at how we need to modify the structure of the city council. How about cutting the size of the city council? That's been talked about for years. Cut it in half. Well, you know, one of the things I, I enjoyed about being alderman was the, the close relationship I had with my constituents. Each alderman is kind of the mayor of a small town of 50 to 60,000 people. They hold you accountable for the safety of their streets and the quality of their schools, not to mention potholes and streetlights. And I think having a, a constituency that's relatively small like that is really good for the people of the city. It, it provides them with a close connection to their elected official. And most of our residents know their aldermen and, their, and the mayor before they know any other elected officials. All right, now you say you're a reformer and you pride yourself on that, and yet you once had Tony Resco as your finance chairman. You're a friend of Ed Burke's. He holds fundraisers for you. You stand by Joe Berrios. Is that the record of a reformer? Well, first of all, I got elected in 1991 by beating the machine. When I was in the city council, I was one of the three co-founders of the Progressive Caucus. I was the sponsor of every single living wage and affordable housing ordinance that came before the body in 19 years. In my eight years as president of the county, I've worked on expanding access to health care and criminal justice reform. That's a progressive record that I'll put up against anyone's. 
Okay, but do you regret any of the ties that you've had with Berrios and Resco and all that? Well, first of all, Tony Resco wasn't my finance chair. He was a member of my finance committee. Okay. And, and let me just say, you know, the assessor had some real challenges. I was deeply troubled by the Tribune story about faulty assessments, unfair assessments. And I, I brought the assessor in. I said, look, we have to figure out if this is true. And if it's true, we have to fix it. We asked the Civic Consulting Alliance, our pro bono consultant, to bring in a national expert to look at the assessment instrument. And they determined that the Tribune was right. There were equity issues. And they laid out a plan to fix it. And the assessor agreed to that plan. So I'd, I'd pointed out that we had some challenges. He agreed to a review. Upon review, he agreed to an implement, implementation plan to fix it. And I supported it because I needed him to fix it. But he also had a history of employing family members. I mean, that's old school politics. Why and did I've been put very, up with that? I've been very public about the fact that I don't think it's appropriate to hire members of your family. And when there were ever any conflicts between the assessor and our ethics office, I always sided with the ethics office. All right. Mayor Manuel laid out a pension plan this week. $10 billion borrowing to bridge us from uh, to the revenue that he says we need from casinos, if we get it, legalized marijuana. He wants to put the casino on Port District land. He wants a constitutional amendment that would get rid of the pension protection clause. How do you feel about all that? Well, I think we should have a casino in Chicago. And Where? I think Where? To be determined. And do you I like the Port District site? I think we should look carefully at, at the most appropriate location. But I think we need a casino in Chicago, and the, and the, the revenue from the casino should go to, to support our pension system. I have spoken long ago about legalizing marijuana. I think the revenue from legalizing marijuana also should go to pensions. You know, this latest pension proposal, this bond proposal, frankly, I have to have my financial people look at that. We're at the end of a, of a long bull market, and it's unclear to me whether this is the appropriate time to be, to be doing this. But he says... And just a second, let me finish. And I think it's really important that we keep our promises to our workers. So if the proposal on the table is to abrogate the commitments that we've made to our workers around their pension plans, there's no way I could support that. Okay. So you're not going to support that. What is your plan for the $1 billion spike in pension payments? It's going to hit you right in the face if you're elected. Well, let me just say, local governments need to be better supported by the state. And the fiscal challenges that the state have had, has had for several decades have precluded them from doing that. So first of all, we need progressive revenue at the state level, a progressive income tax. And I've been a strong supporter of that for a long time. And that would give us revenue not only to support local unit of government. That's so many years away, well, if wait, it but, happens. Well, let me talk about the things that we need to do. One okay. is progressive revenue. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is we need to look at the revenue that we have. A third of our property taxes go into TIF districts, a third of our property taxes. TIF districts were supposed to be a vehicle for jump-starting development in, in struggling neighborhoods. But the downtown is all TIFed. So some of the most valuable property in the city is part of TIF districts. That doesn't make any sense. So we need to unwind these TIF districts. In fact, the mayor wants a billion and a half more in TIFs to go to these mega sites, like I, Lincoln Yards, like the Tribune Media site, like like Michael Reese and like uh, the 78. And I hope, Are you for that? I hope all those uh, proposed TIFs will be uh, paused until there's a new mayor in office because these are, th this is a lot of money that will be diverted from our local property tax base into these TIF districts. And that's the challenge we have already. As I said, a third of our property taxes are going into TIF districts, which means they're unavailable to the city or our public schools. 
So you're calling on the mayor to cease and desist on these mega projects in terms of the one and a half billion. His people are saying, seize the day right now. These projects are ready to go. They need the infrastructure. Let's go. I'm sure they say that. That's not my position. So, so do you support this support for it at all, or just not until the new mayor, or do you just don't want to do it at all? Not until the new mayor. You know, when, when I came into office, one of the things we did was an asset inventory. It's a slightly different circumstance, but we looked at the projects that were on the table. In our medical district, for example, there was a project to build a $20 million parking garage. And when we looked carefully at what, was, what the needs were, what we really needed was a new ambulatory clinic and office space. So we didn't build the parking garage. And we took our time, and we now have a first-rate ambulatory care center just to the south of Stroger Hospital, which is what we really needed in the medical district, and not more parking. So I think you have to take a careful look at all the plans that are on the table and decide what really makes sense in, in difficult circumstances and what doesn't. So you say you're for progressive revenue. The progressive income tax, I understand you're for that. That's years away. What is well, the progressive it's a, the possibility, revenue? The possibility is that it's four years away. Okay. And, that, at the, and the best case, Can't you're wait right. for that. No, we have to do things like okay, TIF what, reform. What, and and let, another example that's obvious to me, although I have our financial people working on other options, workman's comp. In the county, we have 20,000 employees, and we spend $20 million on workman's comp. Workman's Comp is presently located in the Finance Committee. We have about one and a half times as many people in the city on the city payroll as the county, but we spend five times as much on Workman's Comp. So we have to look at things like Workman's Comp expenses and what's happening in our TIF districts at the very beginning to figure out where there are additional revenues. And again, you support removing that from the Finance Committee. Yes, I, I spoke, I spoke some time ago about the need to put that in the executive branch. Okay, but the mayor said today, to my friends in the progressive movement, don't just think you're going to be able to tax the wealthy. That'll kill jobs. So what is your plan? What do you say to the mayor's statement there? And what is your plan to get progressive revenue locally under your control as mayor of Chicago? Well, as I said, the places I would start are TIF and Workman's Comp. We'll see how much money is available. I'm talking about revenue, yeah, no, new I, revenues. Well, if you wind down TIFs, or if you declare TIF surpluses, you have new revenue. Okay. If you are more judicious about your workman's comp payments, you have additional what revenue. What about taxes? I'm not going to speculate on, on what kind of taxes might or might not need to be raised. Why, you know, not? I think, Why well, not? I mean, you well, Let me give an example of, of something that isn't a good idea, I think, and should never have been floated in the first place, and that's a commuter tax. I've spent a lot of time in the last eight years trying to develop and, and support regional collaboration. So we have the Chicago Regional Growth Corporation. That's the seven counties of northeastern Illinois, the economic engine of our state. And we're working together on a number of issues. Uh, truck permitting, supporting small and medium-sized businesses as they try to up their exporting, uh, the metal fabrication sector, and foreign direct investment. That's a collaborative effort. We don't want to be in a position where we're getting in a sort of tit-for-tat around commuter taxes. Okay, I think that's so a terrible idea. Okay, so you're not idea. for that, but what are you for? Are you for the LaSalle Street tax that the Chicago Teachers Union has long pushed? No, I've never said that I'd support the LaSalle you, Street tax. And why not? So you're against it? I'm not in favor of a LaSalle Street tax. I think it just forces uh, trading elsewhere. Okay. And you think they would pick up and leave Chicago, maybe? I mean, they don't have to be here. Right. The, this, is a, this is an industry. This is an industrial sector that's not tied to the ground, so it could go anywhere. Okay. So then what are you for? What revenues locally under your con control as mayor of Chicago and the city council's control would you raise? I'm not going to speculate now on what revenue needs might be because I haven't had the opportunity to look carefully at 
the places in the budget where we can be more effective and efficient, and that's the first thing that I did when I got into the county. I brought every separately elected, and there were 11 of them, to the table and said, this is going to be shared sacrifice. We're going to figure out in every budget how we can save money so that we can meet this $487 million budget gap, and we did. But through, a through a variety of, of cuts, and uh, refinance and 15 it. tax re increases, including re the any you can be campaigned against. Not in, in the, the first year, not okay. in the first year, refinancing some of our debt and so on. So I I'm not going to speculate now on how we might raise revenue. Surely raising revenue is a possibility, but we're going to start with trying to make government more effective and, and efficient. Okay, but you know, you have a record of taxation 15 tax increases. You campaigned against the penny, you put it back. You tried the soda tax. You've done a, a, a ton of other taxes. Any regrets about how all of that played out in terms of the soda tax, of course? Uh, would you do well, it clearly, again? Clearly, Is there something you regret clearly, about how you did clearly it? Clearly, the soda tax was unpopular, and we repealed it. But let me talk you, about what You didn't repeal it. They did. You fought the, against the repeal. Yes, it was repealed by the county. So what's so, the mistake that you made in that instance, do you think? You what know, did you do wrong? Sometimes, sometimes good policy is neither popular nor possible, and that was surely an instance. And upon repeal, we made the very difficult decision was to eliminate... Was it good policy, though, do you think, still? Do you think it was? Yes. And, you do. And Why was it good policy? Why was that good policy, to, to tax sweetened beverages? You know, half of our budget goes to health care, and our health care professionals were adamant that this was a good idea, that, that the impact that sweetened beverages had on the general health diabetes, heart disease, uh, obesity uh, of our population uh, made it a good public policy decision. So but however it was not however it was not popular with the public and it was repealed and we went on in the budget in 2017 to to eliminate a thousand positions and to make the other cuts that were required to balance the budget. Will we you try it again the budget. at the city? No. We balanced the budget no. We balanced the budget every year we made difficult decisions. We have never raised in the county in property taxes in the eight years that I've been in office. Never raised property taxes. We raised the sales tax a penny in order to meet our pension obligations. And we now have a better financial rating, bond rating, than either the city or the state. And we have contributed over the last three years billion dollars into our pension fund to make it stable and not pass on our indebtedness, our, our pension uh, liabilities, to our children and grandchildren. All right, let's talk about this, the, the rough start that your campaign got uh, off to. The chief of staff, who was accused of sexual harassment, you said there were no other allegations that you had heard of. It turns out you knew about it in March. Oh, it's not true. It's not true at all. You, Here's knew, the story. About, you knew about no, something else about him. Look, in I March. take sexual harassment really seriously as a woman, as a mother, as a grandmother. You know, as, as a person in politics over the course of my 30 year career, I've been the victim of sexual harassment. I've witnessed it. When? No woman. When were no, you the victim? I'm not going. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not going to talk about the particular instance. But let me just say, in March, I was presented with a rumor that was unsubstantiated, and despite our best efforts, no one came forward. No victim. No witness. Okay. In September, wait. What did you do in, in March? In September, what did you do in March to investigate the first instance? I asked, the staff, I asked the staff person who brought the rumor to go back and see if there was substance to it. It was unsubstantiated. In September, when we got an allegation of bad behavior that was substantiated, my chief of staff was fired in two days. Well, but why didn't you have, instead of having your staff do it and your political operation do it, why not have the Human Resources Department handle it in March? In neither of these instances did any of this have to do with the conduct of my chief of staff as a, as an, as a, a county employee. So you handled it in a political way. 
It had to do, it had to do with allegations about his conduct on his own personal time. And when the allegations were unsubstantiated, I didn't act on them. I don't act on rumors. I don't know about you. I act on evidence. And when I had evidence in September of inappropriate conduct, I fired him in two days. But why weren't you more forthright with the press on the day you announced your campaign for mayor when they asked you, did you know about anything else about them? You said no. There's a, there's a, there's a difference between rumors and substantiated well, allegations. Well, why didn't you say that? Why didn't you say, I've heard some rumors, I tried to check them out, but I didn't, I wasn't able to. You weren't forthright. No, you know, I don't, I don't spread rumors, I don't start rumors, and I think it's inappropriate for anybody to do that, especially in my position. However, when people present me with substantiated allegations, I responded immediately. In retrospect, do you think you might have done something different? I don't respond to, to a rumor. I respond to substantiated... Do you substanti wish you had handled that? You know, you know what? Yourself you, know what? Ever? you know what? I don't know about you, but people have made up things about me in my political career. One of the things was that, that in, in, the, in, in my days as alderman, that my husband was a developer. Now, it happened at the time that he was a primary school teacher, but it didn't matter. There were people who believed that my husband was a developer and our family was getting rich as a result of the redevelopment of my ward. Anybody can say anything about you. As a rumor, what you have to respond to are things that are substantiated, and that's what I did. Let's talk about your security chief. He says he was a sacrificial lamb. The car that you are driven around in is it's found not, in a ditch. It's not the car I'm driven around in. It was his vehicle. Okay. The car I drive around in is a Suburban. That's a Tahoe. Okay. And actually, I'm rarely, if ever, in that vehicle. All right. And other well, anyway. Members, All other right. Members, so, just a second. Other members of my staff have reported that actually that's not a vehicle I've ever been in. So. Okay. His car, then, is found abandoned, tire slashed off the side of the road, looked like a staged thing, according to the Inspector General, campaign materials in the car. Two years ago this happened. What did you do to investigate two years ago? The matter was reported to the Office of the Inspector General and we awaited their report. When the report came out, I asked for a review by our Department of Homeland Security, which had pre previously housed our detail, and then also the, the Forest Preserve District, where my detail is presently housed. They came back with a review that uh, question some of the management and operations of the detail and at that point we parted company with the with the leader of my detail two there was years. a leadership change two years did it take two years i mean if you I don't, were weren't when you a matter, worried about that when, you, when a matter that when a matter serious? goes when a matter goes to the inspector general you await the outcome and we awaited the outcome and when we got the outcome from the inspector general and did our own internal review of operations we made a change in leadership in the detail whose campaign materials were in there I don't know. I wasn't. I haven't seen the campaign. Don't material. you care to know? No, frankly. Why not? Why not? I mean, this is a vehicle. This is a vehicle. This is a vehicle I was never in. And it's a as county I understand, vehicle. As it's a I understand, vehicle. as I understand, there's a continuing investigation by the inspector general. We'll see what he comes up with. But as soon as this is the report came out, we put out a memo to all of our county staff saying you can't use your vehicle for political purposes. It's inappropriate. But I mean, you waited two years and you didn't even care to know what campaign materials were in there? Why not? This was an investigation by the Inspector General and I awaited the outcome of it. Today, Susana Mendoza is out with an ad accusing you of trying to bully five women of color off the ballot with your petition challenges. And she's questioning why someone in the year of the woman, who's the party chairman, the highest ranking woman in county government, would choose to do that. Why, why are you doing that? You know, the first hurdle that you have to uh, overcome 
in order to be a candidate is to get sufficient signatures. The signature requirement for the mayor of Chicago is 12,500. It's not an insignificant number. We turned in 60,000 signatures. We gathered them all across the city in all 50 wards. We had a diverse uh, army of volunteers, and I'm very grateful to everybody who circulated petitions. If you can't get yourself organized and have sufficient support across the city to get the required minimum number of signatures, how on earth can you govern? And we challenge people whose petitions were defective. And so you don't have any, you don't feel like you're bullying four, five women out of the race? Uh, in if, you can't, if you can't meet the basic qualifications to get on the ballot, how on earth can anybody have any confidence that you could do the job? And Susanna Mendoza, she's, do you consider her your main challenger? We're trying to run our own campaign, and okay. we're trying to run an inclusive, diverse campaign across the city. As I said, we got petitions in every single ward, all 50. Tell me why she shouldn't be mayor of Chicago or why you would make a better one. You know, this is a great city. I came here when I was 18 years old to go to college. That's almost 50 years ago. I love it. It's the place where my children and my grandchildren live. It has beautiful neighborhoods. I'm talking about Susanna. What, no, but tell, I'm talking about, about myself. Her. If you want to talk to Susanna, you should ask her to be on your program. But I, I, <laughs> so I, I, I love our city, and I, I think we face some real challenges around quality schools in all our neighborhoods, and not just some, around economic development in our neighborhoods. The downtown is wonderful, and it sparkles and glitters, and we have to focus on downtown and be sure that it's vital because it's the economic engine of our region. But we also have to have balanced development in the neighborhoods, and I think that's what's been lacking, particularly in the last eight years. A, a sufficient focus on neighborhood development, repopulating communities that have seen tremendous population loss, economic development along our commercial trips, strips, support of small businesses. And we also need police accountability and attention to those neighborhoods that have the most violence. Let's talk about the police accountability. The union, the police union, says you're soft on crime and that you helped elect a state's attorney who is also soft on crime. They are adamantly opposed to the consent decree. How do you sit down and negotiate a police contract with a union that doesn't respect you and believes that you are bad for crime? Well, when I was elected, there were nine to 10,000 people in the jail. Most of them were there awaiting trial for nonviolent offenses. 7% were serving sentences, 93% were awaiting trial. And of those 93% awaiting trial, 70% of them were awaiting trial for drug offenses, the things people do to get money for their drugs, prostitution and shoplifting, not paying their child support, not paying their traffic tickets. So it did, in our view, we were focusing our resources on the wrong folks. Why are we spending so much money detaining people accused of nonviolent crimes? We should focus on the people accused of violent crimes. There are now less than 6,000 people in the jail on a daily basis, and half of them are accused of violent crimes. So we focused our resources on the people who are accused of violent crimes and are potentially dangerous to themselves or the community. And let me just say, I'm very proud of Kim Fox, and I, I was very disturbed by the fact that Anita Alvarez did not seem to be willing to prosecute bad police officers. Not to mention the fact that she had a very, what I used to say, lock them up and hang them high attitude toward the black and brown people who flood our courtrooms. You know, half the population of Cook County is African American and Latino. 86% of the people in our jail are black and brown. Okay, our criminal but you justice system. the question about how are you going to sit across the table with, uh, with the police union who, who does not respect you? And how are you going to get them to be aggressive in, in fighting crime? If you I, expect them, I expect them to do their jobs, whatever they think of the mayor of the city of Chicago. And there are often situations in which employers and employee unions are at odds, and they work out agreements. That's not uncommon. 
Is the consent decree strong enough? Well, I think the consent decrees focus on more professionalization, more investment in training of our police officers, and better supervising our officers on the street, being sure that we meet the best practice standard of one sergeant for eight officers. Those are important parts of the consent decree that we ought to work hard to implement. We also have to figure out how we can create better relationships between the police and the community. One of the challenges we have in solving crime is the confrontational, the dysfunctional relationship between police and the community. We, nationally, out of every 100 murders, two-thirds of them get closed, about 62, 63 percent. In the city of Chicago, it's less than 20 percent. Depending on who you talk to, it's 18, 17, 18, 19 percent. So if we, if we can't solve murders, the most violent crimes that are devastating many of our neighborhoods, and the police are, are unable to do that, we have some real challenges because what happens is people decide that they're going to take the law into their own hands and their revenge and retaliation shootings. So that's part of it. We have to have better relationships between the police and the community if we're going to, have to solve our violent crimes. The other thing is we have to treat violence as a public health crisis. You know, if somebody's shot and killed, not just their immediate family is impacted, but all their friends, all their neighbors, all the people in the community, and we have to figure out ways to be sure that the violence doesn't spread from there. So we have to invest in street workers, the kinds of people that, that do violence intervention. And we also have to, when somebody's shot, we have to be sure that we treat not just their physical ills, but the, the, the arc of their life, the challenges they face. Because if you are shot, the chances are pretty good that you're going to be back in the hospital shot again in the next two or three years. The, so, may the mayor is wrapping up 970 hirings of police officers. He has $95 million for the new police academy. Are those officers needed? Do we need more? And are you for the, the academy? Well, 975 officers doesn't tell us really the, what the story is because it doesn't say what the attrition rate is. You no, have to know. The, uh, yeah. addition, additional. Beyond attrition? Yes, beyond Because attrition. for a while we were adding new officers, but we were, we were losing as many do through retirement. Do we need these officers or do, are they too many, too little? Do we need to do more hiring? Well, in terms of supervision, we need to be sure that we have sufficient sergeants to supervise our, our, our folks on the street, our officers on the street. But we have to look carefully at the operations of the police department and see what functions presently performed by police officers could be performed at a lesser cost by civilians. So we have to look very carefully at the sort of management and organization and um, staffing of the police department. Police Academy? I don't think that, that this is one of those projects that I'd like to take a look at in the same way that we talked about TIF projects. So you're um, saying stop? Yes, I'd like, to, I'd like to take a look at it. I mean, the, the, the you challenge... You want the mayor to stop? The challenge, is, the challenge is not so much where the facility is or what it looks like, but the kind of training that goes on inside. That's really the, that's really the, the question. I mean, do, you, is do, it, do we do, need it in a new academy? In my view, this is one of the projects that I would that I would push pause on. And you'd like to see the mayor hold off and punt yes. it over. Yes. The, the, the same for the for the big TIF projects. Tony, thanks for joining us. Thank you I very much for inviting me. <laughs>